the dice tower is first up. You get three rolls on the tower. I have eight random questions here, and whatever you roll, that is where we begin. Okay. All right, so first up. Can I just... Okay. I assume you're a big Jurassic Park fan. A hundred percent. Yes, of course. Like when it first came out, yeah. oh my God, the, the the graphics, the VFX, like, I mean, Jeff Goldblum with the, tris- you know what I'm saying? Everybody knows <laughs> Everybody what I'm knows saying. Everybody knows what you're saying. Yes, yes. Oh, I love that movie so much. All right, I'm dialing. All right, all right. Here we go. All right. No, don't do it on the table. Am I not supposed to? <laughs> you just watched your Oh, dinner. shoot. Oh, wait, do I throw it in there? It goes in the tower. I need to start, like, keeping score of how many people do that. But I also, I can't pick on anyone because I didn't really know much about Dice Towers before I started doing this on Ladies Night. Not a night. clue. My son would probably be so <laughs> disappointed in me because he's a big D&D guy. Like, I'll tell you, totally you're, know this you're in stuff. good company, though. Many, many people. Good, good, good. Okay. Uh, okay, great. Okay, so yeah, here. If I do it with my left hand, I'm afraid I would hurt you. Because it was something like that. So right handed. It's fair enough. Oh, eight. That's okay. my favorite number. We're starting off strong. This one is called high low. Can you tell me one audition high, but then I also want to know one audition low you've experienced and what you've learned from it that you were then able to apply to future auditions? Wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's really good. Well, I've been doing this like forever. Um, so I've had many an audition. Um I would say, okay, the high. Uh, I was 16, and at the time, it was like the WB Dawson's Creek. It was all of that time. Like, that's what uh, all of those teen shows at the same time. So highly competitive, right? And so I had gone in for an audition um, for the WB for the show. It was a pilot presentation but uh, with Lauren Ambrose, like, worked together, and it was called Saving Graces. And so I went in, and uh, it was myself, and I was going to be there just straight into the um, chemistry read with the other character that would eventually be, like, my love interest. Um, So there are four guys that were sitting there in the hallway, and here I am, this, like, platinum blonde, little 16-year-old girl coming around the corner, and I see this, this guy, and he's sitting, these three guys are sitting on the chairs, And this other guy is sitting on the floor. And there was just something like kind of that electricity kind of feel. I was like, oh, what is that about? Like, that's weird. And he, we lock eyes and we both have that same moment where it's like, oh my God, that's the person that I'm going to marry. Like, it was wild. And, and so we go in and we get paired up um, right off the bat and we're in the very first um, audition scene and in the scene it's kind of like an awkward first date where he's walking me back to my house and kind of like okay well good night and stuff you know and so we're going through it and we had already pretty much hit it off in the hallway and we start going we get towards the very end and Nathan ends up saying he goes, I'm so sorry. Like, I know this is like really bad to interrupt our own audition. I just, you know, I'm looking at the sides and there's a kiss at the end of this, right? So I don't know, should like, should I kiss her? Should I really kiss her? Should I not kiss her? He's like, and they said, why don't you just do whatever comes naturally? And I'm sitting here going, oh my God. And he looks at me and he's like, listen, sweetheart, I might not ever see you again. So I'm kissing you. And I was like, oh, and some but like, but like bring it. And so now we start the scene over and talk about incentive to get to the end of a scene. So we start the scene. Now it's like fire, flames and everything. We get to that same point and they stop us. And they're like, whoa, 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 stop. Okay, wait. You guys are definitely gonna move forward. Clearly you have chemistry, but we just have one question for you. We're like, yeah, of course. They say, we want to be the first people that you send your wedding invitations to. <laughs> Cut to three years later, we're sending out wedding invitations, and yeah, so they got one in the mail. I'm and, gonna have uh, to retire this question. You realize I don't think anyone's gonna have a higher audition high than that. <laughs> and that was almost 24 <gasps> years ago. Um, so it's pre- pretty wild, right? Um, so we had that, and actually, really quickly. We made it to the next few stages. The next audition, um, they stopped us at the same point. We're like, what on earth? 
Then they send us to the, the final network um, audition. So it's us in a room with like 27 network executives all kind of, you know, stuck in there. And we go to do the scene and finally it's the moment. And he kisses me and I got so flustered that I wanted to use the door as like a real door to kind of like exit in the scene. I opened it into my face. I was so flustered. And then I just kind of like stumbled out and I'm sitting outside going like, I'm never gonna get the part, never gonna get the part. I opened the door and literally it was like a standing ovation. And it was just one of those things that, I mean, if it's a high, that's a high, right? That is so beautiful. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. Um, a low? Yeah. Cool. <sighs> so I don't know what, I don't know how old I was, but I had gone in for this audition and, and thankfully I can't remember this man's name because he was awful. And I walk in and I can't remember the thing, but I do remember that I went to do it the first time, like I did the scene the first time, and then he looks at me and he goes, well, that was shit. And he goes, I'll give you one chance. You can do it again. He goes, but this time, just make sure that like you really think about what you're doing. And I was like, yo, uh, but I also at the same time, I'm young. I don't want to mess anything up. This is almost in, this is like casting couch kind of time mm -hmm. back then. So I was like, if I make a mistake, like, am I going to be out of the business? So I was just like, OK, suck it up, Kyler. And I looked at him and I just said, okay, I, I got it. And right before, this is kind of like a high-low. Okay. Okay. Right before I go to start the scene, he lets out the biggest fart I have ever heard <laughs> in my life. Like, check your pants. And straight up, he just, I mean, it goes on, it's comical at this point. And I'm trying. I'm trying so hard because it's just such a touche. You know what I mean? I was like, dude, and I'm holding it in, holding it in. And finally, I just like kind of <laughs> look down and I laugh and he's like, get out, get out. And I was like, oh, hey, okay, bye. It's like, so it was awful what he had said to me, but he kind of karma. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Car, karma, I mean, no one should ever treat anybody like that in no. an audition space or any space in this industry. But also when someone does something like that, at least it immediately crosses off your list. Like a person you should never work with, a person who doesn't deserve to have your time Ab and talent. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Because I couldn't imagine like being on set and, and I've worked with a lot of interesting people in front of and behind the, the camera. So... That was one of those like really great redeeming moments mm. where I kind of walked out going, <laughs> check your that. pants. <laughs> I, was like, I love that part. All right, you have your second roll in the tower. Okay. All right, now I am going to try my left hand. I don't recognize Okay, we got there. One. Whoa. One. Oh, this is a fun one. This one's zombie apocalypse. I love this one. So let's say there is a zombie outbreak. You could pick two co-stars from the way home to team up with. Who do you choose that you think would give you the best chance of surviving? Evan, for sure. Why? I know right away because he is like a logistics man. Mm. He's like nerd central. He would be able to calculate the, you know, I don't know, the, the, the varying wind degrees and I don't know. I, I think he would actually really be incredibly helpful. Um, not Sadie because I think she'd be terrified. Um, I think uh, not Andy because she'd be smart enough to, you know, have left the building way before. I'd believe that. Um, who else could I take? I would probably take. Oh God, I'm good. I'm good. David <laughs> Webster, who is the young Elliot, Ooh. because they both think so much alike. I'd have such a great chance of survival. If I could bring an outsider in, it would be my son, though. Oh, okay. Because he always says that if the zombie apocalypse happens, we're going to hole up in, like, a Home Depot or something like that because they do mm. have snacks. They do have some food there. But, I mean, you have a plethora of places to hide, A, and also weapons mm. that can come from, I mean, you could use a toilet lid. Do you know what I mean? Like, you could. really, we think about these things. I like my how house. I appreciate how he's thought that through. Because I'm totally. always I'm always watching zombie movies and I'm like, they figured it out by going to the mall or Absolutely. Home Depot, which or, makes all the sense in the world. Exactly. <laughs> We're thinking ahead. That's all right. what it is. I like this. You have one last roll in the tower. Okay. Oh, 
What is it? It's a four. Four is the pond. It's my way home question. Yes. So with this one, it's you find a pond that allows you to time travel. Who in your life do you tell about this pond that would actually believe you and also give you good advice for how to use it? That would be my 17-year-old. She would absolutely tell me to just jump. <laughs> That's it. She'd be like, she'd be like, "Mom, listen. I believe you 1000% because she would. She's got one of the most like fantastical minds that can come up with when she was really little, she'd take toothpicks and she could literally make an entire production just that she just has that mind. Huh. So I really think that she would believe me and then I'll tell you the truth. She'd probably kick me in. <laughs> She'd probably kick me in just to see what would happen. I uh, mean, yeah. I'm thinking about the relationship I, I have with my family, and I get it. Some of us would do that to the others. I don't blame her. <laughs> if she told me, I'd kick her in, but then I'd jump in, just like the whole Alice scenario, and then, you know, you know how that goes. Yeah, I feel like if I, like, kicked my sister in, I'd probably jump in right after her if I found out it worked. Yeah. What's up, everyone? Welcome back for a new edition of Collider Ladies Night. I'm beyond thrilled to welcome Kyler Lee to the show for the way home. I'm obsessed with the yeah. way home. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I kind of am, too. I don't blame you. You should all be really proud. And I mean, there's many cool things about the show. But one of the things that I love the most is how many generations are represented in it. And it's literally something that every member of a family could appreciate. And I mean, isn't that the secret sauce to the success of any show? Getting it, the widest possible viewership? Exactly. It really is. And and it, like so my family and I, we all sit down when we're all together to watch the episodes together. And I've got, you know, it's my husband and myself, and then we've got three kids. So, you know, I say kids, they're not really anymore, but my daughters are 14, 17, and my son is 20. And all of us love the show just as much. And I, I didn't know if I was going to have to convince my son, you know, to watch it, but he's like, no, he's so into it. And everybody's throwing their theories out, you know, hmm. while we're watching and they all look back at me. I think they're just trying to find like a little, <laughs> you know, twinkle in my eye or something about it. And I'm do you like, have a no. good poker face? I do. Okay. I do. I'm an actress. <laughs> That's so true. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> Can you tell me the movie you saw, performance you saw, personal experience you had, you name it, that made you say to yourself, I absolutely have to be an actor. I actually wanted absolutely nothing to do with it when I started. Um, I started in modeling when I was like 12 years old. And I was so terrified of attention, but so good at tap dancing for people to like that that's approval thing like that. That has like always been very deep in my life. Um, and so... It was something that, yeah, I had no interest in doing, um, but I was really great at mm. unfortunately. But, you know, you go through the industry and you have, you stand in this line where you're handing your headshot and you're doing all this stuff and they're saying right in front of you, just like that that jerk that said the same thing, they're like, no, no, she's too fat. No, she's not pretty enough. No, look at, she maybe went come back when you lose your baby fat. And like, you hear all this stuff, so you just start to get this, like, unbelievable sense of that that doubt and self-hatred and shame and you look at yourself just going like I will never be good enough and it was just like so I do these commercials I'd go through all this stuff and not to say anything bad about her because I don't think she really knew any better but my mother was the reason why I did it and she really pushed me into it and really wanted me in the business. And so, again, that's the people pleaser. That was the big people pleaser. Like that for me, that was that's what it was. And so, yeah, I went through years of it and of TV shows, guest spots, pilots, like all the stuff. And I kept booking things, which anybody would give their left arm to be in that position. So I can look back at it in retrospect with with that gratitude that I've been so fortunate in my career to to keep working. But at the time it was, it was hell. And so it wasn't until, it wasn't until I met Nathan for that pilot where I kind of went, oh, maybe some good can come out of these scenarios. You know, like if you do find something that you're passionate about, 
and you can work and collaborate with people who are just as wacky as you are and like these incredible creative, you know, beings that if there's a way that I can use this wellspring of trauma <laughs> that I have in my life and I can do something with it mm. and make it like give somebody else something to relate to, then then that's what it's all for. Mm -hmm. So I can look back at it now and go, okay, when you can take something that was so devastating and turn it into something that now I find to be an honor and, and a gift for me to be able to, to utilize. And when I hear that from the fans and, and they say like, your scene, this scene, your conversation in Supergirl, when my character came out in season two, I had friends tell me this is the scene that I showed my parents when I didn't have the strength to find the words myself. I literally showed them this scene and it saved my life. So when you can look at that and realize that we have a platform, that we actually have an opportunity, I don't want to say it's a responsibility because you don't want to put pressure on people like that. Some people are okay to share, some aren't, and mm -hmm. that's their journey. Their prerogative, no problem. But if you if you can take what you find to be the opportunity to make a difference, then I'd use it all day long. Like truly. Beautiful way to look at it. I'm just, I say this all the time and it's part of the reason why I love TV and movies and really any form of art and storytelling is because whether it's like my personal truth or just like a difficult thing going on in the world, a lot of times I have an easier time processing things through these narratives that I watch unfold on screen right. versus sitting there and like thinking about it by myself. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And and sometimes it's like, you know, I've gone to therapy in the past and I've got enough in my life that's traumatic enough that it's like sometimes I'll go in. And it's like I vomit out my story because I just want to get it out of my system. And then I'm like, Ugh, I don't like my story, at least not a lot of it. There's been, you know, ups and downs and and whatnot. But when I can tap into those emotions, you know, when I'm when I'm acting, a lot of people, they have their own strategies and they have their own ways to to delve into that place in themselves where you might recall a, a particular memory that you can utilize in this scene saying, I remember when I was five and you can, you know, or whatever it was, you can visualize it and use that. I can't. I can't do that. Because if I've let it go, if I've worked through it or walked mm -hmm. through it, it's got to be gone. But that feeling, that emotion, those words, I can, if I can find myself in those moments, in that dialogue, even if there's no words at all, it's like if I can attach to that feeling that that character's having, I can, I can, I can let it out. So it's almost in a sense of a form of therapy. Mm. And I cry so much on this show. <laughs> I'm like, y'all, listen, like, who do I have to start paying for all this release? And like, it's wild. There's a good deal of tears on this show. There's lots. Oh, yeah. I have a couple of tear-filled moments that I want to ask you about. Um, first, to get into a couple of specific titles. And with any of these titles, if you want to change the title that I'm asking about, like to get at this particular question, feel free. One thing I love asking about is the idea of breaking out in Hollywood, because I feel like it can be a very different experience for the person that's going through it compared to the outsider looking in. Mm. For you, I wrote down not another teen movie. I knew you were going to say that. I'm, I knew it. I'm a kid of the 90s. That was a very big deal for me when it came out. Can you pinpoint a misconception about the reality of breaking out in film and television, but then also can you pinpoint something that did change for the better because of how well-received that movie was? I know it's got a lower Rotten Tomato score, but there were a lot of people that I associated with that wholeheartedly embraced that movie and oh, yeah. probably are like me and still watch it today. Yeah, I get that all the time. Like, people will just randomly, you know, come up to me or, or say that, like, just that, oh, my God, I love your movie. I'm like, mm -hmm. what movie? <laughs> And they're like, because sometimes it's hard for me to think that too. But it was a cult classic. Very. And much my husband so. actually was in Bring It On. He he was one of the the male cheerleader cheerleaders. He was Jan, the cheerleader. <gasps> oh my god! So, I can't believe I'm just understanding that now. <laughs> yeah. So so, I love the fact that we gave them a little uh, like. 
You're seeing me uncontrollably like geek out about oh all of my 90s, 2000s loves right now. <laughs> I'll tell you one more and then you'll have to remind me your question because my ADD okay. took it way yeah, out yeah, the yeah. window. In the very opening scene of Not Another Teen Movie, when Janie is watching uh, the She's All That on the scrambled television um, and we have the large pink um, object in the very opening scene when okay. everybody walks in and catches Janie uh, ple- pleasing herself. Yes. <laughs> um, it's actually my husband dressed up as Freddie Prince Jr. on the screen. <laughs> it's kind of like... It's amazing. It's pretty great. Like, there's all these little Easter eggs in there. Oh, I love so, this so, so much. So, um, okay, so misconceptions. Oh, mis- uh, misconception about breaking out in Hollywood, but then also something that did change for the better when that movie gained its cult following. Misconception. Chris Evans and I had to fight so hard to convince people that we were right for the role. And I'm talking like we had... Ten, like nine or ten rounds of auditions because neither one of us were known at that point. And so it's like we had to keep like proving ourselves over and over and over again. So my my point being is like the misconception is that it's so easy. One person can, you know, have one breakout role and then that's the rest of their career. And wow, it must be so easy. And the, which kind of lends itself to the when people say, oh, the movie business must be so glamorous and like you have people touching you up all day long and, you know, you have people bringing you your coffees and doing all your stuff and you're just like, listen, <laughs> let me tell you a story, all right? <laughs> like, not so much. So the fight, that struggle is very real mm-hmm. um, and it's it can be devastating. Or in our case, at that point, Chris, who I've always had a massive crush on and my husband knows, so it's, we're all good. But um <laughs> He he was so wonderful, and we were in it together. And so when we did the movie, we ha- we were able to, because we fought so hard, because we worked together so well, um, it just gave us, like, such a great bond where we could also lean on each other in those moments where you're like, oh, my God, this is a big production. Um, there's a lot going on. We're on take 47 of something. Uh, like, I think I did 20. 17 takes of getting hit in the head with the football in the airport scene at the very at the very end like it was a lot so we we leaned on one another for that so it's not an easy thing i think that's misconception for sure um let's see something that made like a breakthrough kind of moment it wouldn't be it wouldn't be wrong for me to say the same thing because the fact that you can have that motivation and that push to keep going and to not give up and to fight even harder the next time the payoff in retrospect was like oh my god it actually it can work like it can actually happen and it started to make me feel a bit better about being able to find my own confidence find that i can be funny you know, find that I can be taken seriously, even in such a silly movie as it was. But I look back at it and it still holds, you know, it still holds. <laughs> can confirm. Yeah. Um, so I think there's there's a pride in that for mm-hmm. sure. You know, the weirdest part about it was when my son watched it and didn't realize that it was me. Until the end credits. Oh, wow. That glasses and ponytail thing, I guess it really tripped really? you up. I'm like, dude, I'm your mom. <laughs> Apparently there's more cli- more truth to that cliche what? than we ever realized. He, can't, Jeez. he told me when he told me, he was wow. like, mom, never again. Never again. He's like, all the rest of it was great. Never again. <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry, buddy. I'm so sorry. Just let her go. Let her go. I feel like my version of that is when I show up to something without bangs and people are like, who is she? I'm like, no, I'm the same person. I just pin my bangs back. Just me. (laughs) Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
for full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. I'll stick with the uh, the misconception framing and lean into Supergirl briefly. For that one, what would you say is a misconception about the experience of telling a superhero story on screen? But then I also want to know something about that production and working in that genre that was more creatively fulfilling than you ever could have imagined when you first signed on. To do it backwards? Sure. Acting emotionally, physically, like having to dig really, really deep and have this massive dialogue to a tennis ball that's hanging from a string because it's going to be VFX and it's against a green screen or a piece of green tape that's in an X and you're just giving it and you're just screaming and you feel so ridiculous that it's almost absurd. And so being able to to pull that off you know, and your superhero landings and your takeoffs and all that stuff. Like, it's hard not to laugh at yourself in some of those moments because you literally just sit there and after a while you're like, what? What <laughs> am I doing here? Like, how is this real? You know, and and then you see it obviously afterwards and you go like, okay, that was pretty badass. All right, I think I did good. That was a good scream I did to that giant weird <laughs> dragon alien thing. Nailed it. Uh, your first question, though, I have to so that, circle back. That was something that wound up being more creatively fulfilling. So the first half yes. would be a misconception, something that might that might make people assume something about working in the genre, but it's not actually the case. I think um, this particular genre, I think, can kind of be a little bit spat upon because people don't really understand how deep and dynamic the characters are. And, like, if you don't know the background of the character, specifically superhero stuff or or whatnot, like, um, if you're not particularly into the lore, but you don't really give the characters a chance to find out who they are in the inside. And if, if you, you know what I mean? It's like if you, if you can't really find them in those scenes, I think sometimes it, it doesn't give you as um, fulfilling a ride as it could if you can, like really believe their story and kind of go back and kind of listen to, okay, well, you think about Bruce Wayne, there's a lot of this stuff that's wildly tragic. You know, these characters all come from something along those lines. Um, one thing that I was really grateful for is that they created my character for Supergirl for the show. Um, so I'm, I'm an original character, which was awesome because I didn't really have to live up to something in particular. Um, but I got to create this whole dynamic and with Melissa Benoist and David Harewood, like they're, they're just like, a, they're literally still a piece of my heart. Like what we had to do together also was extremely bonding because those hours and that emotion and the physicality of it, the stunts, all of those things, you know, People, I think, underestimate how hard it is also to film a series like that. You know, sci-fi, horror, um, anything in that genre. I just went to the Saturn Awards Ooh, the other night and I got to so present cool. Best Superhero TV Series. Superman and Lois won, hey, which hey. I was like, awesome. <laughs> uh, and so to be there in that genre, the fans are like nobody else on the planet. And it's amazing. But they get it. They get it in that sense. You know, it's like true. they understand the depths to it. I feel like the superhero genre sometimes because it does come across like big blockbuster box office spectacle kind of thing can maybe give people the mentality of sit back, relax and enjoy the show. And I do understand there's yeah. some shows and movies out there that you you're meant to do that and just relax 100%. and turn your brain off. But in other cases, when there is all that extra character development, if you're not engaging and thinking about what they're going through, you're missing out on a whole layer that was so very much intended much. to enrich the show. Yes, absolutely. My um, I talk about my kids a lot. 
Because um, you know, I kind of like them. Your you know? kids seem really cool too. They're so cool. They really are. They're dark and twisted oh, and cool. Yeah. That's I don't my know where vibe. They get it that's from. my vibe. I have no idea. <laughs> but my son and I, um, a couple years ago, started the journey of going through the entirety of Star Wars in chronological order, mm. including the animated series, yes. which the Clone Wars mm-hmm. by far, <laughs> the Clone Wars and then Bad Batch by Ooh. far are the best part of Star Wars. In my opinion, in his opinion too, like it's the best because talk about underestimating, but you know, the, the, the clones, like they're awesome. You know, they're, they're awesome. And so, but he knew all the backstory. He knew the stories from the books. Mm-hmm. He knew, like, he knows the oh, entire, like, Oh, I'm so happy like, he's a book stuff. reader. The books, oh, yeah, are, yeah, yeah. the books are, like, legitimately Wild. good. Yeah, Quality they really writing. are. <laughs> but we went through the entire thing, and we're pretty much caught up entirely, live action and animated. And it's been such an amazing journey, but there's so much to it so much. that he'll sit there and he just, he'll just pop stuff out. And he's mm-hmm. like, mom, do you remember what planet it was when they said it? I'm like, dude, I don't know. It's just, this is a really cool, shh, this is a cool part. <laughs> like, and that's about it. But that's what I appreciate so much about the genre. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I really loved is when we were at the Saturn Awards, we, me, myself and I, I guess, um, as I was walking down doing the press, you know, and, and all the interviews and whatnot, I had several people tell me you know, I know you're here for Supergirl, but I love The Way Home. Mm-hmm. Does not I surprise love me. The Way Home. And they're like, it's almost like you're keeping it in the genre family. I mean, no, we're not sci fi. Evan always calls us cry fi. Oh, you are cry fi. <laughs> he's, he's coined the phrase if I don't throw it out there and tag him, then I'm in trouble. <laughs> Deservedly so, though, cry fi is great. But, you know, we go and, and I. It, all of these people were telling me that. Like, I'm mm-hmm. hooked on the show. And I didn't know that I would be because a lot of the stuff I watch is genre-based. And we did it. Like, last year we went to the New York Comic Con. It was the I first was looking, time Hallmark had ever been invite, invited to mm-hmm. a Comic Con. So it's like, I love the fact that we're being able to cross into all these really cool places where you have these fans that just devour these stories, they love these characters. And it makes you so appreciative of, you know, spending hours and hours and days in a murky, mucky pond that you have now learned the entire life cycle of a frog because it's literally right next to you. And, you know, it's like when we jump into that pond, it's not like you're, you're touching like a nice hard surface. You know, it's like eight to 10 feet mm-hmm. deep mud. So when you jump in, the only way to really get back up is to try to get to the bottom and mush yourself up. And so when you see us coming out of the water, like, <sighs> that's like, that's real. That's it's no, authentic. Yeah. That really is not me into the world. Yeah. I love it. Exactly. All right. Big, complicated two-parter surprise surprise about signing on to do The Way Home. First, what was it about the story that made you want to commit to it most? But then I also want to know something about the project that you thought you would have to gain from it as an actor evolving your craft. Mm. That's really great. When I read the scripts, I got um, episode one and two. When I read the scripts, like my, my manager had called me and she said, hey, you know, there's an offer on the table for you. And I'm like, oh. God, because this is when everybody's doing their self-tapes. You're doing a thousand. You're sending it in. It's exhausting. And it's like me between a couple other people and the other people get it. And I'm kind of like, okay. So you start to lose heart, right? And being on Supergirl, um, I had one audition to get that part. And then for Grey's Anatomy, I never actually auditioned. I literally just sat with the producers and had a conversation for 30 minutes and then ended up getting this epic character, right? So I hadn't done auditions in like 12 years. And I'm sitting here going, I'm the worst actor ever because I'm trying to do these self-tapes. And I'm like, this is terrible. Like, I'm terrible. I'm never going to get hired again. So I get this call from my manager and she's like, Kyla, there's an offer on the table for you. And I'm like, what do you mean? Slide it across. And she said, she said, it's a Hallmark series. And I said, okay, okay. And she said, hear me out. I said, okay. She said, you have to, before I go any further, you have to read these both episodes. You have to. And then call me immediately. And I said, okay. So I went and I read them. And it 
blew my mind because at that point I had done a Hallmark, you know, Christmas movie, mm-hmm. Window Wonderland, Paul Campbell. Um, so I had done that. So I knew the heartbeat of Hallmark. And, you know, my mother-in-law and I would sit and just have a glass of wine and watch the movies, put them on. They were always on mm-hmm. in holiday time. We'd be baking, cooking. And it was just kind of like a staple for us. So when I read it, I was like, whoa, this is like deep, deep, like conceptualized storytelling. It's like suspenseful. It's elevated. It's got all these components to it that just seem like it's it's kind of like leveling up in that sense. And I was immediately, you know, intrigued. And then my manager, Joni, she said, okay, next step, I'm glad that you love it. Next step, I want you to get on the phone with Alexandra Clark and Heather Conkey. They're the showrunners. They're mother-daughter. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, hang on. And she said, just get on the phone with them. And so I did. And they are two of the loveliest people on the entire planet. They are, like the fact that you could have like run a show with your mother. I can't even imagine. Like, I don't even know. That blows my mind. But they were so passionate and so like just invested and enveloped in this world. And when we spoke, it was like, I think this is a really great opportunity for us to kind of like flip things on its head and kind of be able to really kind of not push boundaries, but but to be able to kind of like test waters here and there. No pun intended. Oh, man, I just caught myself. We like puns but, here. It's all right. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, but to kind of just see how we could stretch our wings with this show. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we absolutely did. And having those conversations, I related, and maybe this is for part two then uh, of your question, I related so heavily and deeply to Kat Landry. Um, Not just the fact that, yes, I have a 17-year-old daughter. So I have teenagers. I know what it's like to have a teenage daughter. But I haven't spoken to my mother in over 20 years. Kat hasn't spoken to her mother in about 24 years. I met my husband when I was a teenager. Kat met her husband when she was a teenager. Um, Like, I started to be able to pull from all of my actual, like, personal experiences. And it became, like, this cathartic journey in this way where it was, like, in ways that I didn't even realize were going to happen. And so when I say, like, I had an opportunity to, like, have these conversations, the wellspring that I have that I could pull from, I didn't have to dredge because there were some scenes. There's a scene that Andy and I have Oh, my God. And it's in either episode nine or ten. I'm not going to say anything about it. But it's a conversation that I wish I could have had with my mother. They're the words that I wish I could. I'm going to cry. But I wish I could have heard her say. We did my coverage of the scene in three takes because I I couldn't. It's almost like I couldn't do it anymore Mm -hmm. because it literally was. It was everything. And I was each time I was absolutely devastated. And so that being the case, it was like, wow, these are those moments where I can kind of go, okay, shake it off. Like I can actually close this little teeny tiny, you know, Alice in Wonderland door that I can go, okay, all right. Maybe that's what I needed to hear. You know, personally, maybe that's something that I needed to be able to connect to and let it go. And the moments, even with Jefferson, who plays Colton, my dad, he looks so much like my actual dad, who I've only seen four times since I was 12. So talk about, like, heartstrings and talk about being able to have these experiences and be so grateful for them, but also gives that allowance for the audience when they're watching it you talk about like authenticity like and and being raw and being real in some of those scenes there is absolutely mm-hmm. zero acting at all it's straight like kyler being able to say everything she wanted to say or do through the mouth of cat landry 
And so there's actually been quite a bit of healing that I've been able to do, but it also dredges up some stuff that I realize, oh, I got to go a little deeper yeah. in that pond. Maybe if I do, I can kind of go back a little bit and see oh. what happened behind the scenes. And yeah, what? it's pretty wild. It's Beautiful experience. And, you know, through through this show, a lot of people are going to see themselves and what your yes. character and the others are going through. So for everything that like you are putting into this to make it truly authentic, like Thank you on, on behalf of all the people that are really touched by it. Seriously, thank you. I'm sure it's making a big difference in a lot of lives out there. We, I think one of the best compliments that I got um, was it came through Twitter. Twitter. I say Twitter. It's Twitter. It's Twitter. <laughs> it's Twitter. It came through Twitter <laughs> um, that there was a therapist that had uh, posted on there and had tagged myself and um, Jefferson saying that the performances that we did and the way that we showed the grief process in all the different ways that that takes shape um, is something that she wanted to utilize to her to show her clients like, hey, these are different ways that people cope with stuff and to do it in a way that they could watch it through a story. You know, there's still some escapism in it. But at the same time, it's like when something when you watch something and it hits you, you go, oh, okay, <laughs> I got to take a step back for one second. And then, okay, maybe I need to see that again. But she hit, he, she hit us up and she's like, I can't, I can't tell you how, how precious that is to be able to truly utilize what we do for a living to make an impact for people. And, and like all the comments that we got too about, you know, our family for the first time actually has come together to sit down together on a Sunday night and watch a TV show together. Like, who does that anymore? I know. And it's like, <laughs> we do. That, my we heart. do. We do. <gasps> and we get to be, you know, yes, as heartwarming as our show can be, it is equal parts heartbreaking. And so when you watch the healing process and how long that can take or different ways that that can trigger some upswing in the process it's like god isn't that like isn't that the best that we can do with what we've got the amount of scenes that are flooding my brain right now i have to let you go soon i'm going to end with two questions because i'm allowed to do this because i was able to see these episodes i have one specific moment from episode five of season two that i want to ask about so this will be our spoiler warning if you are not caught up on the way home if you have not watched episode five of season two this is where you pause go watch it and then come back and push play and it starts right here (laughs) okay so that particular episode okay this is where that happens so this is a very very specific beat in a, a rather elaborate set piece but and i don't know if you think about it this specifically how was it trying to figure out Kat's reaction when she lays eyes on Jacob for the very first time in all those years. Let me tell you how easy that was. I was in the makeup trailer, makeup hair trailer, and I knew all about the casting and I knew about, you know, who they were going to be bringing in. I'm sitting in the makeup trailer and I'm, you know, I've got my little eye things on, my deep puffers. I'm getting my hair done. And all of a sudden I look down and this man walks into the trailer and I'm kind of like, wait a minute. I was like, oh my God. Oh, oh, ha ha, we found Jacob. And it hit me so hard. Seeing him across the trailer, I literally, I kid you not, I started sobbing. It was, it was uncontrollable. I actually felt so ridiculous. And this, yeah, this was his very first day. And my eye things kept sliding off my face. And I'm sitting there and I had my face covered because I, I, it hit so, like, personally. And then we, we only said a few words to each other. And then in, in that scene where he turns and doesn't recognize... That day was wild. I can imagine. Okay. And that's his first day. And I'm sobbing like a maniac at this poor guy. And he doesn't, he hasn't been here. You know what I mean? But when he did look and there wasn't that recognition, it was like, it, it actually made me feel sick to my stomach. So it was one of those things where, I, again, there was no 
acting in that moment. It was just feeling that heartbreak and that sickening. It's like a sickening thud. When a dead body mm-hmm. hits the floor, that was cat hitting the sand in that moment. It's so, so effective. It's oh, my so, gosh. It's so effective. And it it respects the complexity of a moment like that, that it can't be everything you dreamed of no. always. It, it, there's a lot of layers in there. And, and then where they you work go real well from there, you know, whether or not things pan out mm-hmm. or whether or not things do not pan out. I mean, it is such a roll of the dice yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that it's like you really this show. What's so what we're so great at doing is is having everybody expect the unexpected because you do not know if what you think is going to pan out, if what is actually what is. And so we are tossing that in spades yeah. in this season, and I love it. <laughs> I cannot wait to see more. I'm going to end with this question. I never real, I never really repeat questions that I know I've asked someone, but your answer to one of the last questions I asked at our recent Q&A was just so beautiful. And now I feel even worse because I'm like, do that again. It was just such a wonderful answer. And this is one of my favorite questions to ask because I think it's so important to have this in this industry. So in this industry, people give awards to each other. And I think that's wonderful. No one says good job to themselves nearly enough. Oh, you do your mess on purpose. Yeah, it. it I mean, that that answer was was really one of the most moving answers I've ever had to this question. And it's not on camera anywhere. And I feel like there's a lot of people out there who would have fuller hearts if they heard this answer. Okay, so if you want to ask the whole question. The whole question. So it's it's nobody says good job to themselves nearly enough. I want to know something you accomplish in the way home that you know you'll be able to look back on and say to yourself, damn, I am proud of what I did there. Okay. This was a very real in a very raw moment that definitely caught myself off guard. But I'm 41. I'm going to be 42 in April. As I said earlier, I've been in this industry since I was 12. When you're told you're fat, you're not pretty, you're not good enough, you'll never make it, and this has been repeated to you throughout your life, and you're constantly trying to live up to something, I always tried to look and be someone that I wasn't. And that being the case, it actually came very much down to physicality for me. Because you get told all these horrible things, I went on like a downward spiral of, I mean, taking whatever I could to lose weight. I took, I took fat burners. I didn't say this last time. When I was 12, my mother gave them to me. And I almost went to the hospital because I didn't think I was good enough and I took too many. And so I've never said that before. (laughs) But so you get this horrible, like, complex about yourself. And so being on this show and everything else that I've done, I've always been so um, self-conscious about not wearing enough makeup because I want to make sure that I'm pretty enough. I want to make sure that when people are watching me, like, I'm not going to look flawed. I'm not going to look funky. I try not to make weird faces. I try to make sure that I'm always constantly in the right way. And I still do. I still fall into that now. But but I really do try to live up to this expectation that I put on myself. So in the show, because there's so much pond work, because you're in and out of the water, because we really wanted to make it as natural and raw and real as possible, I had to shed a lot of, I don't want to say that it's um, not vanity. It's quite the opposite. But that sense of not looking how I think is acceptable to everybody else. And it was the first time in my career on this show where I actually felt like, you know what? I've, I've, I've earned this feeling. Mm-hmm. And I've, and I got to do, I get to do something where I get to just be myself. And I look at myself and I'm like, yeah, I've got like, my skin has changed. My body's changed. My hormones have hit. And I'm so different than I was just a couple years ago that sometimes it's still a little bit of a hard pill to swallow. God, no pun intended. Again, I'm the worst. <laughs> but I do that. 
And I say that because I know what a struggle that is. And I know that pressure and how literally deadly it can be. And I look at myself and I can pat myself on the back because I go, you know what? That's a real moment. I'm really crying there. I really felt that. And I think I look pretty damn beautiful in that scene, even without anything. Snot coming down my face, tears like splashed across. I probably have a leaf on my head coming out of the water or a frog or a tadpole. I don't know. But I could be proud of myself. And I can say, what's more important in these moments? Is it, is it to look your best or is it to allow yourself the room to feel something authentically and be vulnerable enough to let other people see the real you that's in here that's not always going to look pretty and perfect and all that. When you can get to that point, I think that's like, that in and of itself is such a, such a, a, a blessing in like a holistic stand, like standpoint. Career, person, I'm a mother. My daughters look up to me in everything that I do. And for them to say that, for them to see and go, mom, wow, look, like you're killing it. Mom, you're kicking (laughs) ass. Like my kids say this to me and it just makes me go, okay, all right, maybe, maybe I'm doing a good job. You know, maybe, maybe I deserve to feel really good about myself, not because of how I look, but because of who I am. Mm. And that's resonated the most. Such a beautiful answer again. You should be so, so proud of what you accomplish in this show and also how it makes you feel and the fact that you're willing and able to express that right now because I am very much, I don't like speaking for everybody, but I would be shocked that there's not a lot of people out there who watch lots of movies and shows who will feel a lot better seeing someone be their authentic self and have pride in who they are and what they look like, no matter what they look like, because that's really the most important thing in the world. So thank you for having such a positive influence on everybody watching this, watching Ladies Night right now and watching The Way Home. Thank you. I appreciate that. Congratulations. (laughs) Like other tissues in the dice thing. I feel like I can (laughs) add that for next time. I will let you go and say... Congratulations on everything you've accomplished. Congratulations on the way home. And I am waiting for more. Keep spreading those good, positive vibes out in this industry. We need more of them. The ladies' night door is open whenever you'd like to return. I will be back for sure. Thank you. 